Uh, there's some things I'd like to share with you concerning where we as a staff and uh, we as a leadership of the church believe God is leading us to. Uh, what I'm going to share with you is something that's really been about two years in the making. Uh, it's been something we've been praying about for, for some time, and uh, I hope you'll be able to hear this, and it'll be clear to you. It's, I just, I'm just going to tell you, it's a lot of information, and uh, thank you. I do want to thank the worship team for giving me a little extra time this morning, but uh, I feel like it's necessary for us to see the big picture as it relates to us going forward as a church in the next decade. Before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we just come to you right now, and I just thank you so much for the privilege it is. Is to, to lead this church. Father, I thank you for almost 20 years now. You've uh, uh, allowed me to be a part of a church that is seeking to, to literally outlive itself, to, to be a, a, a church in a community that can continue to reach the generations to come. And Father, I just thank you for the privilege uh, just to be able to come here some years ago and to be raised uh, by many of the people in this room in my own faith. And, and Father, I thank you that I've been able to also support them in their faith in the role that you've called me. But Father, most of all, Lord, I just thank you for the way that we've seen your spirit move in and through our church over the last some years now, Father. And, and Father, we've just seen you do mighty things. We've seen people come to Christ. We've seen children just uh, excited to be here to learn about your word. We thank you for student ministry and the way that our church has invested in children and youth uh, over these last uh, 15 years now, Father. And, and Lord, as we move forward. We know there's so much more that you have for us and so much more that you're calling us to. And Father, we just want to be in line and in step with everything that you have for us, Father. Nothing more, nothing less. And Father, I just want to thank you that we're a church that really seeks to let Jesus be our lead story. Father, help us to never, never turn our back on that, Father, but to continue to, to teach the word of, of who Jesus is from your word. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. What if I chose this passage or chose this title because I do believe it's one of the most powerful phrases in the English language? What if? I mean, think about it. Many times we, we use it uh, to look back and we say, what if? And, and sometimes we're filled with regret and disappointment and sometimes discouragement. How many of you have some of those what ifs back there? Yeah, yeah, we, we've lived through some of that. But then you begin to look at what if in the future and you begin to see that there are possibilities, there's opportunities that, that may lie ahead of us, whether we're talking about as individual families or, or we're talking about a church. There's so much that's out there in front of us. And then we look in God's word and we begin to see the, the mandate that's been given to us as individuals and also to our church family. And we begin to see, okay, what if we get very serious about what God has called us to as a church? How about us as individuals? What if we just totally sold out? Many people today believe, uh, and I've heard it said that the church is possibly on its last leg. How many of you have heard things like that? In our, that the church is outdated, it's had its better days, attendance is going down, and by the way, it is. Uh, attendance here in North America when it comes to churches is declining. Uh, all the major denominations are in decline, and we could look at that and say, you know something, that is a sad commentary, and it is a sad commentary. But I'm convinced that God can still move in the midst of all that. I believe our society is being set up 
in such a way that the enemy thinks he's got all these things uh, that, that he's got people locked into through social media and all these different things and have distracted them. But here's what I believe. I believe the enemy, while he's attempting to do these things, is creating an opportunity for the church that the church hasn't ever seen. I believe there's things and voids and things that people are going to be looking for in the future. I think there will be a craving for something that's real. I am convinced of that. And I'm convinced that people are tired of seeing all the fluff and, and tired of seeing all the different things that people are, are up to. And, and, and they're just going to be looking for something real. How do we know the void is already happening? I want to read something to you that I found fascinating when it, when it comes to this. Uh, a journal was posted in June of this year by the Center of Disease Control. Here's what it said. Suicide rates rose in all but one state between 1999 and 2016 with increases seen across age, gender, race, and ethnicity. Anyway, ethnicity. According to a report released by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, in more than half of all deaths in 27 states, the people had no known mental health condition when they ended their lives. Among people ages 15, listen to this, 15 to 34, suicide is the second leading cause of death. The other is accidents, but this is second leading cause of death. Suicide is a public health crisis when you look at the numbers and they just keep going up. It's everywhere. And then they say, and we know that the rates are actually higher than what is reported. The report went on to say drug and alcohol abuse are also at epidemic proportions. Now, here's my question. What is causing all this? What's the underlying meaning of what's going on? Especially when you have teenagers and young adults taking their own lives. And, and by the way, our church was touched by that just this past Friday in a family. The same thing we're talking about. It's everywhere. It's epidemic. People are looking for answers. They're looking for something I believe that is real. And everywhere they turn, they're being let down. And they continue to look and they continue to look. And, and, and I believe, and, and you say, boy, you're sure against social media. No, social media can accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. But, but it can also backfire on people. When they're looking for their identity, when they begin to say, you know, what am I truly all about? And they see all the things that are out there in our world. People are convinced are looking for hope and the answers to their deepest needs. And I believe the society, the enemy, whatever you want to call it, has set it up beautifully for the church in the future to come along and give the true answers to what they're looking for. I believe we have it, don't you? We have the answer. So what if our society is moving towards wanting the answers that we hold in God's word. What, what if those things we've been entrusted with is exactly what they need and we know what they need? I believe there's gonna come a time soon in which they're gonna figure that out. And we need to be ready. We need to know how to answer these deepest needs. One thing I think the church could do better at, and I'm convinced of this, is learning how to communicate to the world. I think sometimes what comes out of the church is a message of hate. 
I think many times when people think of church, the, the first thing they think of is, is judgment and hatred. And, and I think that's totally not what Jesus came for. He didn't come that his reputation be marred like that, in which when people look at him, there's a hatred. Now, granted, many people may choose to have a hatred for these things. That, that's out there. We know that. But y'all, we need to be careful how we communicate. The Bible even says that in 1 Peter 3.15. Look here on the screen. He says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. And then how do you answer them? With meekness and fear. The word fear there is respect. The message has an interesting take on it. Look at what they say. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. Always. I think there's a message for us today that the church and we as individuals, we need to know how to communicate the greatest news ever given to mankind. And it is a message of love. It is a message that says, yes, we're all messed up. We're all messed up. We need to come into the kingdom. We need to come and find the answers to the deepest needs of our hearts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I believe this is the church's answer to those who are looking for hope, to those who are suffering. Listen to what it says. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, the person that takes their life has lost sight of that idea. It's just for a moment. There's other days. There's better answers. And then it says, it's working for us a far more exceeding and internal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, we need to realize that the, the deepest things that need to happen in our heart are not seen. Those things that are seen, it's something that is unseen. And the people of this world, the people in our society need to hear that the answers are not what they're seeing on social media. It's not happening with the people around them. It's the things that are not seen. That's what we're introducing them to. And so it says, while well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And this is it. For the things which are seen are temporary. That means they won't last. It, it means everything that's in the temporary, there's a void associated with it. There's a void associated with it. But here's the good news. But the things which are not seen, these are the things that are eternal. And y'all, that's what, that message has been entrusted to the church. And we are called to go out and make it known and to tell those around us. We, listen to this, we need to point them to something bigger than this world and their current existence. We need to build relationships with those who do not know the answers. Listen, evangelism has changed over the years. It's very offensive now to go knock on the door from what we understand. Back in the early 2000s, we, everyone who visited here, every, we would go and knock on doors and we found out we were offending them more than helping them. So then we began to look at other strategies on how. And you know the best way, do you know the way that Jesus shows us in scripture, the best way to help someone who needs the answers, the best, one, best way to introduce him to others? is to build relationships with those who are lost. But let's face it, many of us live in our own little world, don't we? We surround ourselves many times with the people we're surrounded with, and many of them have the like-mindedness that we have. And, and, and y'all, we're called to reach out beyond that into, other world, into the world because we hold the greatest thing that they need. 
And we as individuals need to take that very seriously. So here's the question this morning. What if we truly sold out to the mandate Jesus left us before he ascended into heaven? This is what he said. You know it. This is from the Amplified Version. I love the way he puts this. Listen to this. All authority of power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you eternally, regardless of circumstance on every occasion, even to the end of the age. The end of the age is just before he comes back. And y'all, many people say we're living in those days. I have no doubt, possibly could be. Things sure do look good, don't they, when it comes to that. But I'm convinced that we have the answers. So how do we go forward? I want you to listen to this statement. The churches with the greatest impact in their communities in the world have many similarities with Nehemiah. Over the last four, time, four out of five times I've shared with you about where we believe God is leading us, I've taken my cues from the book of Nehemiah because it clearly demonstrates what we're, how we are to do what God's called us to do. It clearly shows us how, how, how valuable vision is when it comes to reaching people and the mere existence of who we are as a church. And, and there's several things I want to point out. This is not on an outline. I just want you to sit there and just take it in, okay? So what, are, what do we have in common with well, what they were trying to accomplish in Nehemiah's day? First of all, they have a compelling purpose. They have a compelling purpose. I want you to think about it. Nehemiah, what he was up to, God placed a burden on his life to go back and build the walls in Jerusalem. You remember Jerusalem had been ransacked. The walls were completely torn. The Bible describes it as a hopeless situation. There was not stone upon stone any longer. And so God placed on his heart to go to help rebuild the walls, to make God's glory known again in his people. And that's what God laid on his heart. And so there was the purpose. I want you to think about the church. Do we have a purpose? Yeah, we have a purpose because of what Jesus said. He gave us the mandate. And guess what? Those who have a compelling purpose, they have passion. When's the last time you had passion for anything? I mean, we, get, we have passion at, at sporting events, don't we? I, I've seen the way some of you act. It's embarrassing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But, but it is. I mean, we get all excited about our team. We get all bump, pumped up and we can talk junk one to another. You know, I don't recommend taking the gospel and talking junk with it. But anyway, at least there's passion there. We need to have passion. Passion. Think about it. We have the greatest answers the world's ever known. We hold the true hope that people are looking for. It's right here. It's been entrusted to us as the church. So they have a compelling purpose. They had passion. They also had discipline. How do we know they had discipline? Here, here's how we know it. Because they completed a task. The Bible says in just 52 days that many people would have thought it would have taken years. They accomplished it in 52 days. They had, they had passion. They had discipline. Well, what is discipline? What does it mean when a person has discipline? Here's what it means. It means they have focus. And they're willing to sacrifice. That's what discipline is. Is that a caricature of us as a church? 
I've seen, I've seen signs of it here in this place. I really have. I've seen many of you set aside your preferences, set aside those things that you weren't quite sure about, but you trusted the leadership and you said, you know something, I, I don't get it. I, I trust the leadership. Let, let's just move forward. And you sacrifice. And it wasn't just us in this room that sacrificed. I want you to look back over the decades and look at the people who God placed here in this church to keep it moving, to keep the idea of what God wants to do in and through this body. Next, they have a continual prayer life. Let me tell you something about a, a powerful prayer life. A powerful prayer life, let me tell you one thing it does. It builds integrity in a person's life. They are who they are because they place themselves before the Lord. And they look for that introspection and they have that evaluation of their life and they place themselves before the Lord. You know something? I think the, one of the greatest things we could ever say about our church would be that this church has a lot of integrity. It, it does and it is and does what it says it does. And it lives it out. Y'all, the opposite of integrity would be hypocrisy. And y'all, that's what the many people in our society are calling the church. The church is just full of what? Hypocrites. But we're called, not only as individuals, but as a church, to have integrity. That will only come through a continual prayer life through a prayer life in which we're just offering up what God has already given us and saying, God, give us that passion. Give us that. We want to be, we want to represent you. There's also this idea of selflessness. Again, it, sh it has shown up so many times in this church. Listen, I look back on some things that I've tried to lead you through and, and I'm blown away we've been able to do what we've done. But it's all because of the selflessness that's here. I've never, now you may have said it, but you've never said it to me. I've never heard this. And key leaders have told me they've never heard it either. That this church has never said, well, we've never done it that way before. I love that about this place. We're not bound up in tradition. We, we just want to continue to reach people. We, we want to do it at any cost. And sometimes it requires us to think less of ourselves and think of those who we could possibly reach. And listen, I'm convinced that only comes through prayer because I see churches split right wide open doing this, some of the very things that we've done over the last 20 years. And they're just shambles of the, themselves. It only happens when there's integrity. It only happens when there's prayer. It only happens when people are selfless. Today, we find ourselves at a unique place in our church's history. We will continue to have the passion. Will we continue to have the passion to reach in this community for Christ as those who have gone before us? How do we do this? Well, let me just tell you, there's a rich history in this church. It really is. Back in 1949, I've shared this with you. Every time we've talked about vision, I think it's healthy to see where we came from. But listen to this. Back in 1949, a group of people had a passion to reach this community for Christ. You've heard the story. Hopefully, you've seen pictures of the tent. There's people around here that just got serious about pl planning a church. It began, it began really with Vacation Bible School, reaching children. Isn't that cool? And we still haven't lost that desire and fervor to, to reach children. But it started back then. They began to look. And, and many of you know the source that I've, I've taken everything I know about the church. It comes from that book Miss Betty McIntyre wrote, that White Unto Harvest. And one of my favorite parts of the book is this quote right here. The Holy Spirit 
was at work among these men. As they continued to talk about starting a church here, their interest grew. They really wanted to do something about starting a church in their community. And y'all, my favorite phrase, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Y'all, unless the Holy Spirit is beginning and starting and moving the work, nothing happens. And it takes the Holy Spirit to move on the hearts of God's people to do what he's called us to do. As we can see, looking back can motivate us to reach ahead, to have a passion as those in the past, to have the discipline as those in the past, to be selfless and accomplishing a great task for the Lord and by fulfilling the purpose God's given us. It's all right there. And there are those who did it very well in, our, in, in the past, when, it, when we start beginning to look at the past of this church. Churches that impact our culture, they have a compelling purpose. They have a continual prayer life, but they also, they have a clear plan. When you look at Nehemiah's day, Nehemiah had a plan. It wasn't just something that he thought, well, when we get there, we'll figure out what to do. No, the Bible says the plan was born out of prayer. The, the plan was, was led by God. And that's what we know that we, it, listen, it, it, unless he has the plan, we have no business doing it. And this is something I've been praying over and the pastors and the deacons, we've been praying over, where do we go from here? There have to be priorities when we begin to have a clear plan. And the clear plan has always been this idea of looking in our community and seeing, and we can learn from other churches. There's other churches doing a phenomenal job in this community reaching people. There's other churches that are saying, we shall not be moved that are literally dying all around us. We can learn from that too. And so God placed in my heart, I want this church to outlive us all. But y'all, there's a lot of churches in this community. It's just a matter of days unless God just gets a hold of the hearts of the people that are there. And y'all, we are making great strides to see that this church will outlive us all. That it will be here, that it will be vibrant, that it will be something in the future that God can use mightily Y'all, I'm proud of that. I'm tickled about that, that we are moving. There's a clear plan. And what is that plan for us? That we do love God, that we do connect with others, that we never lose focus, that we are called to reach the world. Those things are very important. And that's what we've been called to do. And that's the plan. This plan not only has the idea of priorities, it has the idea of intentionality. Nehemiah created a list of things that he needed from the king to accomplish his task, to invest in the future of God's people, to have influence in their community. Our desire is to expand, excuse me, is expand this influence by investing in the future. How can we do this? Well, by building leadership in our homes and in our church, by duplicating ourselves, continuing to reach people in our community and around the world, by reaching out to all generations. We've made recent investments. And boy, we see some great things happen. Next, churches that impact our culture, they have a courageous persistence. They just go after it and they stay at it. Y'all, and I don't want you to sit here and just hold your breath and say, what is he getting ready to hit us up with? I know that's what you're thinking. But y'all, we got to continue to, to reach and it's called to make decisions that will get us where we believe God is leading us. 
And, and, and I believe that the things we got to decide here in the next several weeks are very important. But these are things I think we can all rally around. We can see the need for. And so they have a, the, those who have a courageous persistence, they're committed. They, they gave of themselves. They gave of the resources. When you look at the book of Nehemiah, when you look at this day and age, you look at the past of our church, what did they do? They gave of themselves. They gave of the resources. Those who have a courageous persistence also are driven. They're driven. You know what's interesting about the book of Nehemiah? Is you see it all. The Holy Spirit of God just gives you the whole picture. Do you realize there were many enemies that were trying to keep this work from happening? Oh, yeah. Threats. Oh, man, you'll never know it. But I mean, when you read, listen, this is what's so phenomenal. When you read about what the enemy says and how they're going to do it, it's modern-day terrorists. Just when you think it's safe, we're going to jump out of nowhere and, and we're going to kill you and your family. I mean, it's literally how it was written. You, you're going to think everything's safe, and all of a sudden, we're going to be there, and we're going to take you. But they were driven. They were driven. I want you to think about this as a church. I want you to think about what God may be up to. We can accomplish more than we ever thought was possible. Did you know that? If we just sell out, if we just get serious, I want you to look at some things that we've done in recently. World missions. I love where our church is with world missions. Some of you may not know it, but we're, we participate and cooperate with Southern Baptists. And I can't think of one, it's one of the best sending organizations in the world. But we don't just leave it there as a church, we have great mission partners that we support, that, that we say, you know, we want to get in behind your work. And not only that, we're, going, we're not only going to send you, we're going to come join you on the mission field. And we've been very faithful in that. And I believe God has blessed us tremendously because of that. Listen to this. When I started pulling the numbers together, I had to look at it twice. In the last 13 years, listen to this. This church has given $3.1 million to missions. 13 years. I, that, that blows my mind. You may be sitting there thinking, that's a big deal, y'all. For this church, it's a big deal. Great partnerships. Month of November, listen, you need to mark your calendar. Month of November, you're going to enjoy our gatherings. We're going to bring, we're going to bring as many missionaries in here as possible and let, you, let there be a Q&A. They're going to introduce themselves. We're going to talk about what we're actively doing as a church with world missions. But right now, you know what I want us to do? I want us to celebrate world missions, but I also want us to look at the whole idea of community missions. And that's really what I'm addressing here today. I want you to think about this. We need to get out where those who don't have the answers are. And so we as a church, pray for us. The end of November, our pastors will be having a two-night retreat where we're going to focus on what will be our role in community missions going forward over the next several years. What will it look like? If it's offensive to go knock on the doors and, and present Jesus, we've we, we got to find some way to get in, in their path. And you'll be hearing more about that in the future. I'm so excited about some of the ideas that we've already come up with. And I think you'll, you'll get in behind it. We're going to introduce those things to you in January about where we believe God is working and joining him in that. Another thing we need to look at when it comes to community missions is we need to continue to build our campus in a way that would invest in the future. 
It would also invest in those looking for these answers we're talking about. And so that's what I want to share with you today. Some of you, are, again, are holding your breath. It's like, oh, what are they going to change now? What are they going? I get that. I'm, I'm tired too, but this is some good stuff. I, I think your heart will be around this. For some of you, it may be a relief. For some of you, it may be eh, kind of disappointing. We're not. I'll show you what I mean here. Look here on the, the screen. I'm going to use the screen a lot from here on out. Many of you know that we had a four-phase building campaign that was introduced 18 years ago. And we have firmly knocked off the first three phases. Phase four was something that we saw near the end. It was the fourth of, uh, the, fourth of the four phases. And so look here, go ahead and pull some of this up here. I want us to possibly look at the idea of redirecting or postponing our original phase four. This is the way we outlined it years ago. A 1,200-seat worship center, more adult education space, new office space, and that's probably, yeah, and then turning the current office space into community missions building. Now, listen, that is an admirable goal. That is something that, that, uh, that I hope when we look at it closely that uh, we're possibly postponing, but I don't feel led to lead us through this right now. I think this is a big undertaking for us right now, and I think it could possibly get us off track on what we are accomplishing very well right now, okay? So here's a redirection. So why put off phase four? Why put it off? Why put off the 1,200-seat auditorium, the offices, classrooms, parking? Well, first of all, let's look at the cost savings. Phase four, we've been talking to people, and we weren't looking to build some ornate 1200 seat auditorium it was going to be it was nothing more than this a room like this a metal building we weren't looking at something a mausoleum or anything but but the cost it would have been estimated between four and a half to five million dollars now when, when we begin to look at what we're going to introduce to you now we're looking at an inter, intermediate expansion cost at 2.8 how many of you can swallow a little better <laughs> with that almost being half off okay but this is something I think we can get behind that will not affect us with our goals and what we're trying to accomplish in missions and ministry and different things. I think this will be a good way for us to continue to move forward. Now, let me show you some other obstacles that we could be dealing with. New church starts are affecting established churches. Uh, I meet with pastors uh, of some of the larger churches in North Carolina, and we have roundtable discussions about once a year, and we talk about trends that we're seeing. We, we, we talk about where God's working in our state. There's one thing that we know that's happening that's affecting even some of the most vibrant churches in North Carolina, and that's new church starts. Now, we're not against that by any means. We've gotten in behind two ourselves. We've helped plant two churches ourselves. And so we're, we're definitely about new plants starts. But let's face it, those are happening in every community. And you just don't know how that may affect a body of believers. There, there could be, you could, it, it could be, uh, it could be tough. Some of these churches are losing as much as 20% of their attendance when some of these new churches start. So you can see where when you begin to look out into the future and you start looking at numbers, if we lost 20% of our attendance, which I pray we never get the that could be a big take. You, you get what I'm talking about? It's happening in every, in every community. I mean, I'm talking about well-established churches, new church starts, and it, it's something that churches have to know that's there. The other problem we have here is we would be borrowing over three and a half times our annual budget, which I think is a very 
unsafe place to be. I think then it will affect ministries. It will affect missions. We don't want to lose sight of what God's called us to. But we do know we have to build something because of what we're dealing with and what we see ourselves in the future. So this is why we're looking at, at postponing uh, phase four as you knew it. Now, what is the intermediate expansion? What are the, there are three sub-phases to what we are presenting to you, okay? And the first one is, these will go in the order we hope we can do this. The educational uh, facility with the senior adult suite, okay? Uh, we focused on children's ministry, we focused on student ministry, co uh, college ministry, and uh, we, we have a great group of seniors that I'm getting ready to join here in the next couple of years, and I wanna make sure I have a little place to myself. No, I'm kidding with you. <laughs> but I think it's important that these who have given so much over the years, that there's something that, that we can do uh, that kind of goes another step for, for them, for you, for me, anyway. All right. Uh, we'll start construction. The goal is February of 2019. Um, uh, go ahead and add the picture here. Now, I know you can't see this. This is the best we could do. These are the drawings. So we have an architect we've been working with for about five months now. Uh, we've changed things about every week. <laughs> this, this is the final drawing. And if you leave here and you can't see this, it's back there on the board uh, behind, uh, in front of the double doors there. But what you're looking at here, let me explain to you what you're looking at. We're more than doubling our restrooms. How many of you, can I hear an Amen. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're adding 10 classrooms uh, for adults in this, in this wing. Um, it, uh, let me just tell you where, where we were going years ago. Uh, we were trying to push more things into home groups, which I'm just going to be honest with you. I think home groups are a perfect way to go for churches, especially if you're looking for connection. But the, we have found from our experiences, not just our church, these, uh, these pastors that I've talked to, they found it to be true that home groups are really only working for empty nesters unless the home group provides food and childcare, which is tough. Uh, and many families with children, they don't give the church, many of them don't give the church another night of the week. And so guess what's happening? Everything's moving back to Sunday morning. In, in more traditional avenues. So home groups, while they still work for empty nesters, they're not working for some of the people that we're really trying hard to reach, and that's young families. And we need to be able to equip them uh, on Sunday mornings. And so we need this space, okay? So what you're looking at are 10 classrooms. Uh, one of them uh, we're going to be using as a prayer room, and I'll tell you why in just a moment, why we consider moving that. Uh, we're adding this senior adult suite I think many of us are very fond of the name Putnam, uh, especially in this crowd. Um, Putnam, uh, that has meaning in our church. And so our goal is to call that Putnam Chapel. That way we know uh, where everything is, and, and that's, that'll be a way we mark that, okay? Uh, we're going to take some of the stained glass out of the building over there, put it in this room. Uh, this room will seat as many as the fellowship hall does. It's just in a different shape. There'll be staging in there. There'll be a piano in there. Irene has requested an organ. We'll see about that. <laughs> but, but we do. We kind of want to make it a, a neat room for the monthly meetings and then uh, getting started on Sunday mornings. We think this will be an ideal room for that. Okay. Uh, also, there's a nursing mother's room attached to it. Uh, we have one in the other building, but a lot of young mothers 
They don't want to go all the way to another. So it's just going to be right outside that door. And by the way, this wing, if you go through that double door right there, you'll enter into the hallway of this facility. It will go all the way down the side of this building. It'll take in the playground that's currently there now. Now, this will be another part of this you'll be excited to hear. We're doing our best to get as much soundproofing as possible. Do I hear another amen? Okay. <laughs> if you look carefully at the top up there, you have the building we're sitting in, and then you see that double door there. That double door is right there. I know it's hard for you to see. Oh, wow. That is impressive. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me you could do that? Anyway. If you look at the line through there, you're going to see a solid line through there. There it is. That's cool, isn't it? <laughs> that right there, these buildings will be separated by three inches. Some of you are like, whoop de doo <laughs> The only way these buildings will connect is through the doorways, okay? And the reason for that is a lot of you are frustrated by sound, but it's really more than sound that you're frustrated with. You're frustrated frustrated with vibrations okay so the goal is to try to knock out as much as the vibration between the two buildings as possible okay also by putting that wing on that side you're not dealing with direct mute with the speakers the speakers are pointing to the back well guess where most of you meet for your small groups at the back so the direction of the speakers will not even be moving in that direction. So, and the architect's given us some really cool ways to, to try to offset the, the noise levels and everything. It'll all be built into it, okay? And um, we, we told him he, he would be crucified if he did not fix our sound problem. And he feels the pressure right now. Okay, no, anyway. But uh, he knows how important that is to us, okay? Uh, we're looking at just over 8,100 square foot. Uh, and it would, it would start way up there where those picnic tables are right now, all the way down to the back here, and it would take the playground that's currently there. Go ahead and pull up the other screen. Okay. Um, to, could you use that neat thing you just did and show us where it's going to be on the site? Yeah. It'll be a little bigger than that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, keep going out. Yeah, it goes way out there. Anyway, it's a <laughs> that's it, okay? You see the campus here, the big parking lot's over here, but it'll, it'll go right there over the current uh, big kid play, play, playground. Now, that's just phase one. That's what we want to knock out as soon as possible. We need it. We're going to get it in here, knock it out real quick, okay? Now, this is part two, okay? And it will include... An atrium. Now the goal, <laughs> what we'll be doing is looking at closing in between the two buildings here, okay? And it'll be a glass front on each side. Go ahead and pull that picture up real quick. You see the glass there? That'll be known as the atrium, okay? Now let me tell you what a lot of you do on Sunday mornings, and we really see it at 11 o'clock. A lot of y'all like to gather in the back back there and talk. Okay, we're going to try to create a lobby area out there between the two buildings. It'll be enclosed. It'll have a skylight. It'll be very nice. Okay, and, and it will basically be a lobby uh, where people can gather. The iDesk will be moved out there. It'll be a place where people can join together and also provide easier access in and out of these buildings. 
Okay, And so the goal is to help with that tremendously. And we'll talk more about that in the future. That is to come. So that would be part two of this three-phase plan. Okay, um, Go ahead to the... And then we're going to... The third part is building a balcony in this room. Now, let me just say this. Years ago, people had that idea... And I was like, no, that ain't phase four. That ain't the way we thought about it. You know, that kind of thing. That was years ago. The last two years, been praying about it, and y'all must have been prophets because <laughs> that's kind of the direction the leadership feels we need to go. So what we would be doing, now we realize we're going to lose four classrooms up there, but we're adding 10 out there to help us. We would open that up up there. It would become a balcony. It won't just be a balcony. It just sits up in there. It'll actually come into the room a little bit. That way the people up there will feel connected into the room, okay? That will enable us to seat another 250 people, okay? So the room we'll have is around 750. We'll be able to seat in here comfortably. We will lose some seats down here because we do want the stairways to come into the room, in case someone wants to respond to any of our messages, we don't want them to have to go through the back, go through the bathroom to come here. We want them to be able to come down uh, each side there. So um, we're pretty pumped and excited about the possibilities. When we do expand this room in 250 more seats, we will be required by the county to add more parking. And so we will add parking back here behind this building. Uh, we will not put curbing or lighting because we won't have that need at night. Uh, because if there is a phase four later, guess where that building's going to go? It'll go on top of that. So we're just trying to create parking is all we're doing with that. And the goal is to have a little golf cart to bring, since it's so far away, to bring people up, you know, that whole idea. But that's, that's to come, okay? Now, the goal, here's the goal. The goal is to go ahead and knock out, not knock out, that sounds, to do the educational space first, Okay, to do it as quickly as possible, pay it off as soon as possible. As soon as that's done, the leadership is looking at going immediately into building the atrium and the balcony, okay, and doing those immediately after this is paid for. I don't feel comfortable us going $2.8 million in debt, okay? I'll show you how much I'm comfortable with, and maybe you'll be comfortable with it too. Now, there are some deacons saying, why don't we just build the whole thing? I, I've never thought I'd be a pastor holding deacons back. I'd never, ever thought I'd be in that position. But anyway, uh, I, I, I'm kind of in that position right now. But anyway, they agree that we want to take this a little slower, okay? Now, here's what it means. Future campus capacities, okay? Let me show you some things. With the intermediate expansion, our preschool, this is all based on one hour, We'll be, able, we'll be able to handle 100 preschoolers. Go to the, keep, just keep them. Children, 200 people. This is based on one hour. Student ministry, 200 people. Adult ministry, 375. But good thing about our adult ministry is we have some classes that meet at 815. We have some that meet at 930. We have some that meet at 11. So really, you could go three times that amount. You, you see what I'm saying? As far as the adults go. All right. Um, let's see. So, and then the office space. What's really cool about what's happened over there, oh yeah, the worship gathering, I'm sorry. If we do expand this to 750, uh, for two hours, we could seat up to 1,500 people. Uh, but listen, everybody who builds buildings tell you that once the room gets 80% full, you're, you're, not, you're not adding anyone normally at that point. 
Okay, so w the likelihood is we'll have the capacity to seat 1,200 people with two services. The office space, you're looking at 10 offices plus work area, a meeting area, intern housing, all that has already been taken care of. All that is good. We, we, it's amazing how much we're able to get out of the house over there, uh, but it takes care of all our immediate needs there. Now, we're getting down to the good stuff, the educational cost. We're looking at the construction running between around $1.1 million. There's your cost, okay? The architects helped us with this cost. Uh, the architectural and engineering would be $30,000, which he's really helping us out with that. Furnishing, audio, visual, things that we want to do in, those, in that facility, about $45,000. New playground area, because we are taking this out, we're looking at moving the new playground area into the fenced-in area, which we believe makes more sense for the children. Um, but we're also hoping, uh, some of you look at that number and say, that's a high number. We're trying to create uh, coverings. Have you ever been out in the middle of that field in the heat where we can create some shade in there? Uh, we're going to put our picnic tables in that area. And also, um, we're going to try to do away with the mulch and use, uh, you know what I'm talking about, the, what do you call that stuff? Anyway, the squingy stuff. <laughs> Anyways, anyway, that stuff. Uh, so it is, a, 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 I'm sure there's sticker shock there, but that stuff's expensive these days. Um, is there anything else on that one? Let's see. Oh, yeah, what's that? Okay. Uh, estimating the interest on a two-and-a-half-year loan, we feel like we can pay this off in about, uh, we'll have all the money in 39 months, but we feel like in, we'd only have a loan for about 2.5 years, two-and-a-half years. Uh, that's about $850,000. And and then the, let's see, yeah, 55000 for that interest. And then the good thing is we're going to ask uh, individuals to give towards this. We're esti we, we estimate we need to raise about $500,000 in 39 months with our individuals. What's well, a good thing about everything we do here at this church, we tithe on everything that we do, okay? So that means $50,000 could potentially go to missions, okay? Mission projects. Uh, I love the fact we do that as a church. So everything that's taken in, we give to missions, Okay. Uh, that total comes to 1.4. How many of you have having sticker shock at this point? Anybody? Okay. Uh, we feel like it will really meet a need in our church. The funds, look here. Funds on hand that need to be raised between October, that's this month, and December 2021. How many of you ever thought we'd ever be talking numbers 2021? That's weird, isn't it? Anyway, this is what we need to raise. First of all, we have on hand... Uh, $320,000. Max Butler, many of you may know Max from the community. Max Butler donated three to four houses to about eight or nine different churches in our community. And we had a, a group of deacons, uh, a small part of the deacons, take the responsibility for selling those rental properties. And we were able, through that, through that to give to missions almost $35,000, okay, and then we cleared $320,000. So we already have $320,000 sitting there designated to this. Okay, so that's a good thing, right? But anyway, we definitely want to thank that family, and we have thanked that family for that do biggest donation this church has ever received in its history, $320,000. Next, from the church budgets, this is what we believe we can pull from the budgets over the next several years. 2018, that's to finish off this year. We believe we can get, raise uh, 60000 because our budget already has those kind of numbers in it. 2019, we, we have uh, the one that will be presented to the church uh, in November. 
175,000 will go uh, towards this. 2020, 2021, 175, 175. Okay, see, see how that comes to that? All right. That means we're going to need from families and individuals $507,000 to fully complete this paying off by the end of 2021. Okay? And that would come to $1.4 million. Now, the goal, if this is voted on, the goal would be to start construction mid-February of next year. Okay, and then the goal would have it have it completed no 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 later than the fall, but the goal was to make it mid August when this facility would be completed. Okay, all right. Now, here's what we need from individuals. This is where you come in. This is where that selfless, however you want to put it, get in behind it. This is where you come in. 39-month commitment beyond your tithe. Notice I say beyond your tithe. L let me just say this. You need to tithe because if you don't tithe, we don't meet the budget, and that throws everything off. So if, if, if you can't, if you're, if, let me just say this. If you're not tithing, continue work to the tithe through the budget. We're asking people to give above the tithe, okay, because we got to keep the operation going. Now, if you're fed up with the pastors and their decision, you just want to give to something, I guess it's okay. No, I'm kidding. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is we need individuals to step up, okay? So if that's the case, we got the monthly gift, the number of families individual per month, okay? If, someone, if one family decided to do or individual $25 a month times 40 months, I'm sorry, no. If 40 families gave $25, it would come to $1,000 a month, okay? If, they, if 40 families gave 50, it would come to $2,000 a month. If 40 families gave 100, $4,000 a month. 10 families or individuals at 150, $1,500 a month. Uh, 10 families give 200, 2,000 a month. 10 families give 250, it'd be $2,500 a month. That comes to 13 months, excuse me, 39 months at 13,150 families involved in this. And you got $507,000. Now, let me, let me say this. We have just over 300 active givers to this church, family, individual. You, you get what I'm saying? So what does that number 150, what does it represent? If half of those families got on board with this, we could knock it out easily. We'd love for 300 families to participate and have it knocked off in a year and a half. But, but anyway... That's where we are, okay? All right. Now, let's keep moving. If everything goes to plan, today, October 14th, in both gatherings, I've presented the rec I'm presenting what it entails in the recommendation, okay? Q&A for the recommendation would be this Wednesday night at 7.30 in the fellowship hall. So if you have questions, you need answers, we're giving them Wednesday night, 7.30. The vote would occur on the recommendation Sunday, October 28th in both gatherings. So two weeks from today is when the vote occurs. This meets all our bylaws. Our bylaws tell us how we have to conduct our business on that. We're sticking to those bylaws. Here's the recommendation. The deacons and pastors make a recommendation to begin construction on the educational facility presented on October 14, 2018 in February 2019, borrowing no more than 850,000 of the $1.4 million cost. Okay, now that will be the recommendation. Okay.
Okay, and that's what we'll be voting on two weeks from today. All right? Now, again, here's where you can come in. If you look on, the, on your handout, you look on the back of the, the card that you fill in as a guest, this is on the back. We, we're not asking you to pledge, okay? We're asking you to prayerfully consider giving to this project. You're not going to send anything in with your name that says such and such, John Smith and his family is going to give that. We're not asking for that. We're not going to, you're holding yourself accountable based on what God's leading you to do, not what we're holding you accountable to do, okay? Now, so we don't, we don't want your name on this, okay? But here's what the card looks like. You're to check one of these if you want to participate. If you give $25 a month for 39 months, your total commitment would be $975. Now, look at how it all breaks down. Again, if we can get 40 families to do 25, 40 do 50, 40 do 100, and then 10 families do 150, 10, 200, and 10, 250, we're there, okay? There may be that you want to give another amount. Maybe it's something else that works out. Maybe God leaves you to give $10 a month, or maybe he leaves you 175. Whatever that is, you can put that there some of you may want to just give the one-time gift. And of course, that, we'll take that too because that, that takes off a lot on the interest. <laughs> so, so you do however God leads you to do on that. Your commitment is from this month to December 2021. Now, how many of you have been here when we've done things just like this? Raise your hand. Yeah, and many people have participated and we knocked it out. Most of the time when we put something like this out in front of our people, we normally ask for a 36-month commitment normally we knock it out within two and a half years. So it just shows you that when we get our mind on something, we normally knock it out pretty well. And so uh, if you want to just write a check for the whole project, um, you're welcome to. And then we'll move on to the atrium in the, in the balcony, okay? So just see me after this service, our gathering, and I'll be glad to talk to you about how you can do that, okay? We would like for you to return the card uh, and we'll have the card uh, as a part of the handout the next two weeks. We'd like for you to have it turned in to the iDesk or an offering plate by October 28th, okay? Again, we're not looking for your name. We just want to see, does it look like we can possibly do it? And we'll keep you updated on, on those numbers, okay, of people who have said, yeah, I want to give this amount, give that amount. Any questions? Everybody ready to give? No, no, no. I can't take questions now. Wednesday night, if you have a question. Don't, no, no, no. Just, so here's the conclusion, y'all. We have a compelling purpose. We need a continual prayer life. We've got to continue to pray about this stuff. We have a clear plan, and we need a courageous persistence. We've got to get in behind these type things. These are the ways that we're going to disciple people. These are the ways we're going to help young families navigate through this very difficult world right now. This is the way, this is a plan to move in that direction. And that is our heart to help people find the real answers. And I believe, I really believe this. If I believed the church had no future, I wouldn't be leading you like this. I believe the church has a future. I really do. I think there's a void that's taking place. I think revival can be born out of that, vo that void. I just see it coming. I believe it's on the horizon. And I want us to be in a position to know and be able to deal with it. You with me on that? Amen. Amen.
Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are and what you've done here. And ushers, would you come forward? And Father, we just ask you right now that you just continue to lead and guide us as a staff and as deacons. And, and Father, uh, Lord, we just we want to be in step with you and what you have for us. But Father, we know through the last two years, these are things that you've laid on our hearts, Father. And we just pray that we can move forward. Father, we thank you for this offer and pray that you'll use it as only you can to help us continue to do what you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Don't forget, there's some drawings back there. I'm going to ask her to put the drawing up here on the screen. If you will, just let it be up there. If you want to walk up here and look at it, you're welcome to do that. Thank you.